0: And he said, friends, it's uh, really great to be in God's presence this morning, and uh, we do worship Him and thank Him for His goodness. A couple of things, just as we come to the Word, and if, you, you've, got, if you've got a Bible or you're accessing your Bible through um, your electronic means, then Hebrews chapter 11 is where you need to go this morning, and uh, that's in the New Testament. And just as we're finding that, a couple of things. Uh, firstly, we, we pray for Christian earlier on in the uh, in the team meeting before. Uh, church started and Christian's away this weekend with George Ridley in Hungary about 20 years ago him and George and some of the folks at Milton Keynes where Caroline and Christian lived then got involved in, got involved in helping a pastor plant a church and uh, this weekend is the 20th celebration of that church plant the church is going well uh, many people got saved and added to and uh, so there they're just rejoicing in that they come back tomorrow and uh, Christian sent me a text and Asked me to pass on greetings to everybody and praying that God will bless us today. I think, in fairness to Mansfield Town Football Club as well, they were very apologetic about this evening. Uh, what happened was that they should have been playing Thursday night, and that game, for a number of reasons, got delayed until yesterday. And the bonfire party at field Mill should have been last night, but couldn't be uh, because they were playing, so they put it tonight. And though, and so we have been booted out for one week, um, but they've apologised, and uh, it is part of the journey of that particular context and uh, if you normally come along don't let it put you off but be part of tonight and we know that God's going to bless us amazingly. Um, Our series um, for this autumn is Culture Carriers. Um, It's um, uh, really sort of seeking to build upon something we did about 18 months ago in the life of Arena that we produced a a booklet out of which many of you'll have to hand called Arena DNA that really talk about some of the core uh, values the very essence of what makes our particular church uh, function and work and we've we've tried to add to that um not trying to add to the the ministry that's documented but try to add to it in terms of the inspiration of what we're bringing at this particular season uh, and um, we pray that God will just really help us and minister to us in uh, that culture as we've been saying is the belief and behaviors characteristic of a particular group and that really is what it is someone also says that culture is the shared values that we act out if we don't do it behavior we don't believe it belief and so it's it's drawing together a, a real sense of what god is doing in our hearts and in our lives and working that out together for the glory of god and for the praise of his name so we've looked at discipleship and uh, the, the fact is that God's not just looking for people that have made some sort of decision, but actually will be people that will commit to a journey of continually learning the ways of Jesus and allowing him by his spirit to put them into action in our lives, that is a disciple. We talked about passion and Christian letters in that a couple of weeks ago. And the reality is that unashamedly and un- unapologetically, we, we're a church that's passionate about our God. And uh, I, I smile sometimes about the irony of people that sometimes come to church and say, well, you, you get a bit sort of excited in your church, a bit carried away, it's a bit loud, it's a bit noisy, when these are the people that have been saying for years, church is boring, church is full of organ music, church is just dull, church is that bloke at the front that nobody can relate to, church is words. There. So the reality is there's no apology, apology for passion. Passion is expressed in all sorts of different contexts culturally around, around the country. in, In all sorts of different environments, and church ought to be a place where we're passionate about God, and we do celebrate that, and we do thank God for our worship team, our worship band, our media people that help us week by week bring a sense of passion in our worship to the Lord. And then we talked last week about team cultural value of Arena Church. The language of "I'm not a team player" is not part of this church. God's called you to be a team player. He's called you not only to believe, but to belong. And as you belong, you begin to contribute. And we sort of used a few illustrations out of that. But I'm just in awe, friends, of how that team works out and, and, um, and, and how people are just doing things in, uh, in sort of ways that at times are unobtrusive and, and yet the part of the team. I was in a context this Friday and I was thinking, and we were talking about the, the whole sort of area of, uh, of uh, our. our um, governance in terms of child protection and vulnerable adults and many of you wouldn't sort of know that lynn Medicroft does that for us but she does an awesome job she's part of the team uh, i was thinking about the fact that we get the re magazine i know there's going to be shifts in that and uh, but the re magazine and it's in our hands and uh, And uh, Kerry sort of serves us so well on that on a regular basis. It could be a thankless job because some Christians aren't very prompt at paying the two quid back into the magazine. And so, you know, and and all of that. And then I see Food Bank and I see people like Lynn Ty and John Duke working back office helping Lisa. Because what happens is that not only are people uh, receiving food parcels when they come to Food Bank, but they're also getting beans on toast, cheese on toast, tomatoes on toast. They're actually being fed whilst they're here. And I see all these people, and you might not recognize them at times in terms of what they do, and so the list could go on. But unobtrusively, quietly, without any sense of notice, they're valuable members of the team that make it all work, vital to what we're doing in Jesus' name. We pull together a bunch of people on Friday, just as another expression of some aspect of team going forward that will help us to be sharper in one or two areas in terms of people in the life of the church. And I encourage you, if you're a believer of Jesus Christ, to really engage with the culture of being part of this amazing team called Arena. I deliberately stood until, uh, waited to the end this morning. And again, I'm just fascinated with people, all sorts of different people that are coming for communion, different age groups, different backgrounds, different issues, different home contexts. Jesus just pulling us all together in his grace. and I never cease to be amazed by the church. I never cease to be amazed, friends, at what God does in people. I never cease to be amazed that he still goes on a journey with us. Even though sometimes we have fallen and broken. And we get things wrong and we make mistakes and we say things we shouldn't say. He continually commits to us because he's passionate about his church. And if you're with us on Tuesday night, you'll know that we did Ephesians chapter 3. And I said quite uh, openly that, you know, if if somebody says to me, you can only have a couple of verses in the Bible, we're going to cut everything else away. They're your two verses for the rest of your life. Then Ephesians 3, 10, 11 will be my two verses. Because it's through the church that the many varied colours of God's wisdom are displayed to the principalities and powers. And it was his intent in the eternal purpose of God that this should take place through the church. In other words, it's what sort of inspires me, friends. Church is not some afterthought. It's not God saying, ooh. I got it wrong. I better think about the church. It was in his eternal mind. It was in his eternal heart. We're not here this morning just by fate or luck or chance or lottery. We're here this morning in the eternal purpose of God to bring our response and our contribution to what God is doing in the earth in these days. It's amazing. And so we come this morning to faith. And uh, uh, this is a cultural value of the church, you see, because without faith, none of this makes sense. You've had people saying to you, Huh? Well, if you show me God, I'll believe, you know, they don't really believe that, mean that, by the way. But, you know, it's a sort of bit of a get out for them. And how can you people be just singing to the ceiling when there's nobody there? And we all know he is here. He's by his spirit. We felt him. We sensed him this morning. But faith makes it alive. The Bible says that we don't live by sight, but we live by faith. And faith is the thing, friends, that defines us. It's what joins us together when you become a christian you go on a journey of faith you make a commitment to live by faith the bible says that we go from faith to faith it's a progression it's a deepening it's an expanding it's a developing of our faith journey and we're going to read six verses this morning from what is known as the faith chapter in hebrews and it says these words it says now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see this is what the ancients were commended for by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible by faith abel offered God a better sacrifice that Cain did than Cain did by faith he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offering and by faith he still speaks even though he is dead by faith enoch was taken from this life So that he did not experience death, he could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased the Lord. Or as one translation said, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Verse 6, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone that comes to him must believe that he exists or is. And that he rewards those that earnestly or diligently seek him. And so this morning, um, you've got in your arena... Uh, dna document uh, an expression of uh, of the faith journey and I, I don't want to add to that this morning i try and wrestle in that with some of the issues of faith some of the disciplines of faith some of the challenges of faith sometimes there's been some extremes in faith but the reality is friends god's called us to be a faith community everything is defined by this faith community and it's so fascinating that the arena church is called by god to be with a believing heart And the faith of a believing heart needs to be carried in our attitude, in our spirit, in our language. Sometimes things will come against us that cease to deflate our faith, to douse our faith, to stop us believing in God. But the community of believers that carries a culture of faith always rises above that to say that they believe in their Lord. It's the bedrock of which we build upon because without faith it's impossible to please God. It's the oxygen and lifeblood of a prevailing church. Why do churches sometimes diminish, friends? Why do churches sometimes fail to keep making progress? Why do churches eventually grind to a halt? One of the reasons is because they've stopped believing in God. They've taken things away from what a God and decided that they can do it better. They've stopped looking to the Lord. They've stopped fixing their eyes on Jesus. They've stopped praying. They've stopped pressing through. And God said, okay, you get on with it and we'll see what happens. And when we try and do it humanly, friends, it's destined to fail. But when we keep reaching out to the living God, it's destined to go forward. Thomas Carlyle says a man lives by believing something, not by debating or arguing, but about believing. And here we have a definition in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 of chapter 11 of what faith is. Faith is being sure of what we hope for. Hope is not crossing your fingers, touching wood, hope to die type of stuff. Faith, hope in the Bible is a confident expectation of what God is going to do. We are sure of what we hope for and we are certain of what we do not see. Reading in Timothy this morning, my devotional reading before I came to church, Paul says, I know in whom I've believed and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. God lays something in us that says, I don't care what anybody says. I don't care about the secular age. I don't care about being ripped. uh, I mean, Mickey taken by my friends. I don't care if I'm the only believer in my context at work or college or study, wherever it is. I know in whom I have believed. That's what faith does. It brings a certainty to our hearts of things that we cannot see. It doesn't mean that we're arrogant. It doesn't mean that we're belligerent. It doesn't mean that we know all the answers. It doesn't mean that we can't keep learning. But God brings a certainty in our hearts that God in the power of his spirit has come to change us forever and ever and ever. And nothing can take that away. There used to be an old song we sung many years ago that says, I've got something that the world can't give and the world can't take it away. Nothing can take it away from you, friends. And God wants us to come to a place of increased certainty and surety about who we are in God. We live, as I've already said, by faith and not by sight. Now there are many aspects and facets to faith, and we could revisit many of those, and I would encourage you to revisit the notes. But I want to use Hebrews 11 this morning to inspire us. Because one of the things that faith does is it demonstrates itself. It brings about action in our lives. James says that faith without works is dead. Now let me reiterate, friends, that you cannot become a Christian by your good works. You really can't. In fact, the Bible says that your good works are dead. And here's the truth. You might be a good person. But as Helen has led us this morning in communion... Your goodness against what Jesus did for you actually means you're bad. And the reality is that when we understand that even though we think we're good, we're bad, and we're confronted with a cross, there's only one thing that we can do, and that's run to Jesus in faith and say, Jesus, forgive me. And the fact is that however good we are, however... philanthropic however much we give away to people however kind we are to charitable causes that will never get you into a relationship with god through jesus christ because the bible says that it's by grace that we are saved through faith And that, none of yourselves, is the gift of God. We are not saved by works. We are saved for works. And friends, we need to keep reiterating in the type of church that we are, that we cannot come to Jesus by our efforts alone. I tell you the stories around this room this morning of people that before they became Christians, did amazing works. Incredible. Incredible works. Impacted community, got involved in things, raised a lot of money. But the moment they had a revelation of Jesus, they realized that that would never get them to where they needed to be. Now here's the truth: in Jesus, it's just increasingly fueled those works that they're involved in, but it's motivated in a completely different way. Ephesians chapter three and verse 10, sorry, chapter two and verse 10 says that we are God's workmanship created or forged to do good works. And we're reminding ourselves in this series that we're doing on Ephesians in Equipus, that there are two words in the original New Testament language for Greek uh, for the word workmanship. One could have been mass production. I worked at Raleigh many years ago as a sort of contractor when I was sort of 17, 18. And I used to watch guys doing that every day, 40, day, 40 hours a week. And a piece of metal it eventually made a bike, of course, but you know, and uh, it's all gone. Drove down Faraday Road the other day; it's all houses for the university now. It's all gone, sprawling, fact. But that's not the word that the Bible uses about workmanship. The word deliberately used in the New Testament regarding workmanship is masterpiece. In other words, you're not a wow. you're special. God's forever chiseling away at you. He's defining. He's putting those finishing touches. You're not off the production line. You're a masterpiece. And he's created us, friends, to be his workmanship so that we might demonstrate our faith. Now I'm going to make you gulp for a few moments because I've set myself an impossible task this morning in the moments that I've got left in the fact that I'm going to go from start to finish of Hebrews 11. I'm going to make nine points. You think, oh, good grief, how long is this going to take? But the reality is... The reality is sometimes you can pick over a verse and get a lot of out and sometimes it's broad brushstrokes. And this morning it's going to be broad brushstrokes. And... Now, uh, <laughs> now. No. And... Uh, And I'm going to just run through it, but I want to inspire you with nine expressions of demonstrating faith. And I want you then to, we'll we'll put the culture carrier statements up for faith. I want you to bring it down into your world, into your house, into your home, into your work, into your. And the, 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 the reality is, friends, this morning, this is an inspiration for us to increasingly grasp that wonderful expression of faith around the church and for us not just to take it for ourselves but to be demonstrators of what God is doing so the hall of fame of Hebrews 11 starts off with Abel demonstrating faith in worship and uh, in Genesis chapter 4 of course you can read about it but Abel's offering and sacrifice of worship was acceptable because it was done in faith I don't have time to develop it this morning, but the reality is that if you go to Genesis, you'll find that there was purpose to his worship. It was to God. And the Bible says that everybody's worshipping. They're out there worshipping this morning. They're worshipping at the altar called Ikea. They're worshipping at the supermarket called Tesco. They're worshipping in all sorts of... In other words, worship is something that we bring our priority to. And the Bible says that anything that comes before God is actually an idol. 1 John 5, 21... And this morning, Christian believers have made a priority for some other things that we press pressing to our world to say God comes first. I want to encourage your you parents this morning with little kids. Amazingly enough, we had a couple of little kids uh, some years ago. They then grow up to become big kids. Yeah. And, uh, but the fact of the matter is, you may say that Sunday morning seems to be the day when all hell breaks loose in our house. You know, somebody drops something and it smashes on the kitchen floor. Somebody's got up late. The alarm didn't go off. And I want to just encourage you to keep making a priority in your family. To keep pitching up at church. And giving an expression in faith to your kids. That I tell you what, on this day God comes first. Because they'll begin to capture something. They'll mither and moan at times. But they'll begin to capture your spirit, your heart, your attitude, your language. And what will emerge in those people is a journey of faith. Where they'll love the house. And be all that God wants them to be. There wasn't only a purpose, but there was a priority. He bought the first fruits of his worship. And there was a purity of motive. That's why God accepted him. And of course, he paid a huge price. But here's the first call of the demonstration of faith. It's worship. The first call of our life, friends, is worship. It's the first call of the believer. Everything spills out of the fact that God comes first in our lives. Point number two. You see what I'm moving on? So not only demonstrated in worship, but demonstrated in lifestyle. Because the Bible tells us in verse 5 that Enoch, and the reference is Genesis 11, that Enoch was one of only two people in the Bible that was taken into the presence of God before they died naturally. The other other one, of course, was Elijah. And it says that before Enoch was taken into the presence of God, he had this testimony, or he had this lifestyle, that he pleased the Lord's please what a testimony that is what about friends that when we come to our final breath and people can speak over us this was a man this was a woman that pleased the lord that'll do for me they pleased the lord and i want to encourage you to do those things in life that please god noah thirdly noah demonstrated his faith in being a witness genesis chapter 6 But he says that Noah received the word of the Lord and was warned about the things to come, verse 7 of our reading. And in holy fear, he built an ark, which is a boat, to save his family. And by his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. And some of you will know the story well, that in Genesis chapter 6, already things had spiraled away from the very heart and presence of God. And God was displeased with man. And he he saw all the things that were taking place and thought, you know, I I just can't cope with this. Uh, In my justice, there's going to be a judgment that comes to the earth. But he found a man that walked with God and his name was Noah. And generation upon generation upon generation, God's always found men and women that will walk with him. Sometimes at a very costly price. But they walked with the Lord. They passed on the message from one generation to another. And of course, the great plan came into place where Noah would build this ark and would call the people to repent because God was going to flood the earth and the only place of safety was going to be this huge boat. And Peter, in the New Testament, describes Noah as a preacher of righteousness and for 120 years, he declared the word of God. And the only people that responded to him were his three sons, their wives and his wife. Eight were saved in all. Another Sunday school song, Mr. Noah built an ark. The people thought it quite a... Lark. Mr. Noah built it so, and into the hark he pleaded for the people to go. Down came the rain in torrents. Whoosh. We, you know, used to sing those songs. We survived on it. Okay. <laughs> I wonder if there's somebody in your family that thinks you being a Christian is a right laugh. Because that's what the song was saying. I wonder if you're going to work tomorrow and say, huh. All right then, where were you yesterday? And away it goes again. People think it's a bit of a joke. But here's a man, that faith. And he demonstrated his faith by being a consistent witness for the Lord. And he continued to declare the word of God. And the Bible says in Isaiah that the word of God does not return unto him void. When God's declared something, friends, it takes place. Here's another encouragement. If there's a prophetic word seemingly in limbo over your heart it's a word that you've checked it's a word that you've related to it's a word that comes within the context and and agreement of the word of God but it's not come to fulfillment yet you need to hold on to that word because the word of the Lord does not return unto you void our problem with prophetic words is that God said it's Sunday and if it's not all sorted out by seven o'clock Monday night we think it's not a real word But sometimes there's a process that needs to take place for that word to come to fruition in your heart. And this man just kept going and kept going and kept going and kept going. And I want to encourage people today who've got to go home today. And you're the only believer in your house. And people think it's a laugh. People think it's a lark. People think that, you know, you've got it all wrong. I want to encourage you just to keep living as Noah did and keep sowing into those situations. I want to encourage you to keep being persistent in how you live insistent on what you believe and consistent in your lifestyle and the Bible says these words in due season we shall reap a harvest if we do not give up and demonstrators of faith don't give up number four faith expressed in obedience Abraham Hebrews 11 8-18 Aaron Richardson with us In the summer, spoke from Abraham, and it was something that I referred to also um, with regard to pilgrimage. Galatians chapter three and verse six says this: We need to consider Abraham, and the reason being that verse nine says that he was a man of faith. And I, I don't have again time to dwell there this morning, but some of you will know the story well: how that this man was called at a significantly senior age from a life of affluence. Uh, in the era of the Chaldees, everything sorted out, and he was called to go to a place. And when he asked God where it was, God says, don't worry about where it is, I'll show you, but I need you to step out in faith. Of course, it may be for us, friends, that it's not a geographical thing, but the spiritual application is that God has called us to be travelers, sojourners, pilgrims, people that will not be static. Let me tell you this, about the danger of... Being a a, a dweller rather than a pilgrim. You know, it's a little bit of a life message of mine. But I was talking to a friend of mine this week. I'll mention no names um, uh, for for the cause of confidentiality on the podcast. But he was saying to me, he says, Yeah, he says, "I, I was talking to this guy in our church that used to have a leadership role in our church. And his dad had a leadership role in the church prior to that. He says, I'm stepping down from the leadership role in the church. Because... If you make any decisions about the future of the church, I'll always want to take it back to the past because of my dad and me. That is a dweller. And friends, we cannot be determined in church by that sort of spirit. In other words, this guy who's been around church a long time has completely lost the spirit of faith to realize that whatever took place in the past positions people to go into the future. Therefore, you ought to be glad, not sad. But he can't deal with it. It's all become personal. It's all become about him. It's all become about his father. It's all become in here. And so he says, I don't want to be part of any decisions that would affect the future of the church because I'll always want to drag it back to the past by his own confession. And hears Abraham saying, God, I'll move on the journey of what you've called me to be. And he heard from God's, And he moved in response to the word of God and he saw something in his heart. Verse 10, he saw a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Friends, the promise over Abraham that his descendants would be far more numerous than the sand on the seashore and the stars in the heavens was not just related to an ethnic race. Because the Bible tells us in Galatians that we're the sons of Abraham in faith. Because how did he come to faith? Not by works. He came to faith because he had believed his God. In other words, friends, God saw the church. God saw the generations. God saw all he was going to do. Numerous, huge, massive. And it all hinged on somebody obeying. Number five. Faith demonstrated in pronouncement. Chapter 11, verse 20 to 22. Speaks of three old men. Physically weak. Spiritually strong. I speak to the older generation of our church who we seek to honour and appreciate and we seek to do that at a wider level in terms of the network of churches that I represent also. So physically you may feel impaired but spiritually you can just be as strong. And one of the ways that you can express your faith is by pronouncement, by speaking blessing. The Bible teaches us that the tongue can be destructive and devastating. But also friends... The words that we say can be compelling and enriching. You make the choice. You make the choice. The Bible says, friends, that we can, we can bless people. We can, we can build people up. And here's three men. Isaac speaks blessing over Jacob and Esau. Jacob speaks blessing over the sons of Joseph. And, and Joseph speaks blessing over the, his descendants. All speaking the language in faith. Of blessing. Friday night we had a great prayer meeting. Towards the end, just laying hands on people saying, God, bless them. God, bless them. God, bless them. God, bless them. Pronouncements of blessing. Take every opportunity to bless people. You don't necessarily need to use the religious language of God bless you. It can be something like, have a great day. Thinking about you. Believing in you. All those sorts of affirming words that we can use in faith. So something hits our hearts that says, whoa, that's inspired me to be all that God intends me to be. Number six, faith demonstrated in commitment. It talks about Moses. It says in verse 23 that Moses was no ordinary child. He grew up in the palace. Looking out on the Nile the other way, little baby Moses in the bulrushes somewhere along there. Amazing. And in verse 24, it says that he refused to make his home in the palace. Because he says these words, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh. He chose chose to be ill-treated along with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. One translation says he, he chose to take the reproach. In other words, everything was lined up for him. Affluence, fame, everything was lined up. But he had a calling over his life. He had a destiny. And I've spoken to all people today, I've spoken to families, young people, I think this is very relevant to you, because all over this room this morning, there is destiny over young people's lives. And some of it's going to be determined into how you express your faith and your commitment to God. And that will mean decisions. It'll mean choices. It'll mean costly decisions sometimes. In other words, you can go one way where you can be in the in crowd and everything's easy. Or you can choose to identify with the people of God and bear the reproach of the gospel, which may not be as easy. But God says that you're no ordinary child. There's a purpose and destiny on your life. And I want to encourage people today not to have this mindset, which has been around Pentecost for years. It goes something like this I became a Christian when I was 11, and all of God. 14 or 15 or 16 and then I decided that I better try the world to find out if what I was missing really was worth missing and then I came back to God at 19 and I found God and 21 I followed the Lord and then at 22 I sort of decided that I'd sort of go back again You know what's friends what I'm saying is you don't have to backslide you don't have to turn away from God you don't have to go and enjoy the pleasures of the of, of, of sin for a season to realize they'll wreck you They'll bring you into bondage. They'll hurt your life. The Bible says the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that you might have life and have it in all of its fullness. And every young person around this room is going to have to face that predicament. Because there's going to be issues in your life at times where you can make easy choices that are going to take you down a particular path. But they're going to seek to rob you of your divine destiny in God. And God says today, be a Moses in face. Make the big calls in your life. Don't compromise yourself morally. Don't compromise yourself in terms of your behaviors. But do the right thing. And if you reflect it in your choices and your values and your actions, God says that he'll raise up Moses for the glory of God. Men and women that will actually impact their generation for Jesus' sake. And let me just add a caveat to that. If you have messed up and you have fallen away from God... God says, it's okay, there's always a way back. But you see, I'm an avoidance ministry, not a deliverance ministry, and that's the passion of my heart. I'd rather avoid it rather than having to be delivered from it. And uh, parents, again, you need to prophesy of your kids that they'll follow God, that they'll keep going for God, that they'll press through in God. I encourage you to do that in Jesus' name. Seventhly, there was a a demonstration of faith in response. And... uh, An unlikely group here because the children of Israel get paired with Rahab. I wish that verse wasn't in the Bible where it says, by faith the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Here's what somebody says. He says, your current obedience is more important than your past failures. And it seems to be so in this person's case. And God used them in an amazing, amazing way because they responded to God. How many times did the children of Israel walk around? Jericho, everybody says seven. It was actually 13. Once a day for six days, seven days on the last day. Seven plus six is 13. And then the walls came down. Why 13? Why we got to walk around? Why have we got to be in silent? Why have we got to wait for the time for the trumpet? Because God says so. And he's drawing a response from us at times. But if we'll learn to respond to God's ways in God's time, God will bring us a victory that caused the walls to fall down in our lives before us in Jesus' name. Number eight, faith expressed in exploits. Because the writer like me begins to run out of time. And he says these words. He says, "I do serious, I do not have time to tell you. And then he tells us about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets exploits for god here's what daniel eleven thirty two in the king james version says but the people of god but the people who know their god shall be strong and do exploits the people who know their god shall be strong and do exploits number nine verse 35 a demonstration of faith in persecution no names here just simply others and we're reading those closing verses of a catalogue of difficulties navigated by people that said, Come what may, we are counting or denying our faith. Their faith, friends, didn't bring them out of the other side in release, it caused them to endure in and through the difficulty for the glory of God. Notice what verse 39 says it says, All of these were commended for. Their faith. The great preacher R.T. Kendall says, faith is designed to release us to do in our generation what men and women of the Bible did in theirs. For a moment or two, friends, the culture carrier statements are going to go up on the board. And uh, I'll just talk through them. There they are. You may just want to jot them down. We'll give you just a moment or two, and then I'll just close off. As we bring the service to a conclusion, and the worship band come back up to bring a moment to. But let me just read them to you. By faith, we choose not by our limited view, but by the limitless possibilities of God. By faith, we will not settle for a passive life, but be moved to action. Faith without works is dead. By faith, we will triumph in the difficult times of life. Knowing God is always at work and for our best. By faith, we will not be defined by the seen, which is temporal, but the unseen, which is eternal and lasts forever. And number five, by faith, we will always be ready ourselves and encourage others to step forward and into all of God's purposes for their lives. I really will finish in a moment or two after the message, but we haven't finished, so I'd encourage you not to you know, make a dash for the coffee shop yet. Just a couple of moments to absorb those statements over your life as people that want to demonstrate faith. Thank you. Arena Church, part of our cultural value is to be a people of faith. A faith that's not just debating forever, but a faith that demonstrates in a real world. It demonstrates in worship and testimony, in witness and obedience. It demonstrates in pronouncement of blessing, of commitment, even when it's costly. It demonstrates in response and exploits, and yes, even in persecution. It works itself out across the life of our church by people desiring to be great leaders. By people that were believed to raise tens of thousands of pounds for the cause of missions across the earth. By people that will go to another nation, maybe short term or even longer. By people that will influence their world of commerce or industry or education. Because they have a testimony that pleases God. By people that will win one in the kids or youth ministry. And that one will be raised up of the Lord to win thousands across the earth. By people that will impact others simply by their winsome lifestyle. That's so different from the world in which we live. By people that will bring their gifts and allow God to take it back from them. And use it in worship to the Lord by people that will make the right choices. Even when sometimes it's easier to do something different. By people that will continue to sow seed. Even when at times the harvest seems small, because we know that if we faint not, we'll reap a great harvest. This culture of faith around Arena Church is not about debating. Yes, we want to wrestle with some of the difficult issues at times. We want to try and confront some of the difficult questions. We want to engage with some of the complexities of 21st century world. But the reality is that we do that best, not by debating. Debating but by being demonstrators. And I think this morning, friends, the culture of faith around our church is best captured by an old hymn. And he says these words, faith, mighty faith, the promise sees and looks to that alone. It laughs at impossibilities and cries. It shall be done. I wonder if we'll pray. In a moment or two, I'm, I'm